0: For a brand new episode of Terribly Funny, is it you? I certainly hope so. Uh, if it's not, well, you know, you've clicked off by now, so who cares? Uh, but here it is, a brand new episode, Terribly Funny. Hey there, friends. I'm your host, your pal, Steve Basilone, and uh, this is, of course, the podcast where I talk to funny people about terrible things that have happened to them. Uh, and today we have a great guest. He's a very old friend of mine. He's a super talented director and writer, and sometimes even actor. His name is Chad Hardigan. What can I tell you about him? Well, I can tell you that I met him when I was a wee child of like 17. Um, I think I was with him the first time he got high. Ooh, exciting stuff. That's how far we go back. Uh, and where do you know Chad from? Well, uh, 2013, he did a movie called This Is Martin Bonner that won the uh, the, the Best of Next at Sundance. And uh, this past year... He made a movie with Craig Robinson called Morris from America. It's a really great, small, uh, fish-out-of-water story um, about a a young boy in Heidelberg. Uh, It's great. Check it out. It it, it was so successful that he won the Screenwriting Award at Sundance and also it garnered uh, uh, Craig Robinson the Best Actor Award. So, yeah, the guy's talented. He was also kind enough... To put me in his first movie, which is called Luke and Breer on a First Date. That was in 2008, I think. And uh, he gave me the choice role of cock admirer. So, uh, yeah, he knows what's what's on brand for me. Also, clearly, it's a very high opinion of my acting abilities. Um, but uh, Chad is fantastic. And today he's going to talk to us about, ooh, abandonment issues. Ooh, fun stuff. Also, uh, what it's like to, uh, you know, move to the States for the first time when you're a young boy and then uh, spend the next year, uh, you know living in fear it's it's a delightful conversation but before we get to Chad let me do this thing and say, "Hey, are you a fan of the show? I certainly hope so. I'm trying, and I hope you like it. And if you do like it, go to our iTunes page, uh, give us a rating, give us a review, leave us a comment. Those things are nice. Um, also, you can engage with us on all the social media platforms. How fun, right? On Instagram and Facebook, we're Terribly Funny Podcast. On Twitter, we're Terribly Underscore Funny. And if you want to, you know, have a new pen pal, which is me, you can uh, send me an email at Terribly at Gmail." Also, uh, that, yeah, I'd I lo- I love to hear from you. I, just before I started this little intro, I was responding to an email uh, from from a fan, and it was delightful to hear from her. So please, if you have anything to say, drop me a line. That's it. I'm done with that part. The bullshit is done. And now let's get to the good stuff, which is Chad. Uh, all right, here we go, gang. Brand new episode. Terribly funny. Let's get some theme music and get this shit started. Mmm...
1: Um, but I have to say that I have a pretty Pretty easy life so far yeah. I think that the, the worst time of my life Was So I, I grew up Overseas in Cyprus mm-hmm. You were born in Cyprus? I was born in Cyprus, uh-huh. yeah
0: And you yeah. have the, the tattoo, right?
1: Yep, I got a tattoo that no one can see um, <laughs> I, But my mom is American And my dad is Irish So they were just living there coincidentally Yeah, how did that happen? They were missionaries mm-hmm. They got They went to the same Missionary camp in England That's where they met They got married in England And then went to Cyprus To keep doing missionary stuff Liked it a lot Settled down and Got real jobs mm. Had kids um, And it's a great place a Great place to raise kids um, Really pretty, right? Very pretty It's a small island It's got great beaches mm-hmm. and Ancient Greek ruins And um, Nice people No, no crime It's just very copious. It's a chill place to grow up. Um, But when I was 11, I think my mom started to feel like she wanted to go back to the States.
0: Okay. Just because she missed? Where was she from?
1: She was from Nevada. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: But yeah, just in general, maybe uh, wanted to go back. So we moved to Virginia as a trial for one year. I don't know why we did this. We you had no family
0: ties in Virginia, just like,
1: let's Well, that's Virginia. where my, dad, my dad's job was based in Virginia, the one he had oh, in I Cyprus, see. so that was, we could move there. Right. But it, like for whatever reason, we did it for a year trial, and we always knew it was just going to be a year, and then we were going back to Cyprus. Um, so we did it, and then I was 11 years old, entering seventh grade, and my school in Cyprus, I, it was a kindergarten through 12th grade school, so right. I'd been in it my whole life. At every grade, only has like thirteen to fifteen kids. Sure. And knew everybody, and then in middle school in Virginia, there were like five hundred kids. Oh boy! Just in seventh grade and seventh. But grade you had five
0: hundred kids in seventh grade. Yeah, that's yeah. a big fucking class. Yeah. It was a big well, for school. middle school, but yeah.
1: Maybe it was like four hundred. I don't know, but it was a lot. I'm gonna hold you to five hundred. <laughs> and um, anyway, what happened was we were staying in a hotel the first week we got there. And my parents were like, "All right, we're gonna go look for a house and a car." Right, and they left me, my older brother, and younger brother in the hotel. And this is pre cell phones, and
0: and Wait, so you just like moved there, and you were in a hotel, and you guys, as a family, didn't have a place to live outside a hotel or a car. No.
1: Holy fuck. Yeah. They're just like, all right, we'll just show up and see what happens. Yeah. And my dad had never lived in the United States before, so he didn't have a credit card or any credit. Um, oh, man. So they had to go get like a Costco card so they could have credit to mm-hmm. get it, buy a car in a house. Anyway. Um, but what happened was they were like, we're going to look for a house in a car. And I was like, great. See you later. Didn't have any concept of what that meant. And they were gone for like eight hours. They spent all day, as you probably do, looking for a house in a car. And by the fifth or sixth hour, I thought that they had either died or gone back to Cyprus and, and abandoned and just us. Just like, we're just, ah, you know what? <laughs> yeah, they it changed their mind. And this is like some elaborate plot. But I was hysterical, and my older brother was like, shut up, Chad, <laughs> trying to watch the TV. That's a pretty solid impression. I don't know. What <laughs> older brother. Yeah. And, and then uh, it was uh, really affected, Affected to, affect. it really affected me. And when my parents came back, I like smothered them, and I was like, never leave again, and I developed a crippling phobia of abandonment, and for the entire year Whoa. Uh, that we lived in America, I would not allow my parents to go anywhere without me, unless it, and like, I had to go to school, obviously, and I would be separated from them, but I would call them at lunch every day to make sure they were still around and still alive, so. and... If I walked home from school and one of them wasn't there, I would have a panic attack and meltdown and cry. I made no friends. I didn't even try to make friends because I would just, like, go home immediately. And it was... That was, like, the worst year Of my life. Was your... Okay, so the older brother, he's, what, 13 or 14 or something?
0: Yeah, he would be 14. So he was, like, fine. He's fine. And your younger brother did, like... Was was he
1: watching you and, like, oh, fuck, should I be nervous? (laughs) He was four. So he's, like... uh, he's a He's a prop. He's not a real person. Um, And... Were you you thinking, you like, legit, like, they're dead.
0: This is it. We're in this foreign place.
1: That first day I did, Mm -hmm. I thought they were dead or they were gone, for sure. And then after that, I'm sure i had a practical side of my brain that was like they're not dead or they're not leaving they would have left already whatever i had that but it didn't matter it was like this this phobia or this insecurity overrode everything else and i just couldn't operate i couldn't function as a human being with by myself right um so And I remember crying a lot. I like, never wanted to go to school. And if it was raining, I got more anxious and thought that they would like get in a car crash or something. Oh, man. And uh, <clears throat> it was just really bad. And I remember towards the, towards the end of it, at one point my dad like, sat me down and he was like, listen, yes, yeah, something, bad, something bad could happen to us, but you have to live your life in... Hope, not fear, for and I, I. think that that worked. That's what just snapped you out of it. It didn't snap me out of it like that, but I remember it to this day that he said that, and I remember it making a lot of sense. And and then the the year also ended, and we moved back to Cyprus, and then yeah. I felt comfortable again. You're so I think like the
0: security blanket.
1: So it just it did just kind of go away, and I later in life asked my parents why they didn't put me in therapy. Because, mm-hmm. uh, because also I should mention that this was a horrible time for them. Like right. I was a nightmare child to have because like they could not do anything without having me yeah. having to consider me and my yeah like an anxious and
0: eleven year old that's like yeah. breaks your heart but it's also like oh, come on man I going to be fine <laughs> just
1: chill the fuck out right they couldn't they just, <laughs> my mom wanted to go to like the grocery store and uh, I had to go. Because my dad still traveled a lot. Uh, he would have to go back to the Middle East for his right. job and travel a lot. So it would be just my mom, and I, I would have to go with her everywhere. Um, but anyway, I asked them why they didn't put me in therapy. And my mom said, I don't know. I don't think we ever thought of that. We, we thought you would figure it out. And it was very a nonchalant answer. But I also feel like that probably ha- helped me. And yeah. I, I didn't know that then, but... Subconsciously, it must have uh, had an effect that my parents th- knew I would get there, or that it would, I would—I would it would out. And if they had freaked out more and put me in therapy, I might still have that phobia. I think.
0: Yeah. Um, what makes you think that? You don't think it would have been like having? Do you think you were like too young to uh, rationally kind of talk out or have some sort of like level of assuaging?
1: Well, I, would, sure. I would. I was definitely too young to know that therapy is fine and mm-hmm. a good thing. I would have thought that something was really wrong really with wrong me, with you. and that my parents thought that there was something really wrong with me, and I would have made all these assumptions. Um, so you think it would have like just ignited the fire even more? Maybe, or it, or just the fact that they didn't do it. Not who knows what would happen if they did, but the fact that they didn't, and that there there was like an energy coming from them that. That I maybe only subconsciously picked up on that I could I could conquer it on my own hmm. helped me, but I don't know exactly how or why I did. But I do think that there that I believe in the power of the mind to just like you can flip switches, in a positive way or a negative way. It's very difficult, but it's possible, and like just like that. Has that? Because <clears throat> you said
0: like. You wouldn't have known at the time that therapy is a good thing or a healthy thing has that like instance kind of changed your perspective on therapy like are you do well, you i've never done it yeah and is that is it like a level because like if you do now feel like you've like been
1: validated like I can figure this shit on my own uh yeah I do think that i like I, but I also think that therapy's probably great, and the only reason I haven't done it is just because it's expensive mm-hmm. and I haven't I haven't been moved that far in any direction to to feel like it I should spend all that money um but it sounds it sounds great, you know, just talking to someone and yeah, it's uh, basically what we're doing now, yeah. except with somebody trying to make less ha-has. <laughs> yeah and uh and you're you bought me a coffee rather than me paying you off the yeah market. exactly exactly. what are you like in that period where you like were you
0: just spinning? Were you cognizant that like this is like a thing that I can't stop?
1: Yeah, I I I was. Did and you I feel think, exhausted all the time? I think I did. I think I felt like I wanted to make friends and I wanted to not be a burden and I wanted to. I knew what like normal was and that what I the way I was behaving was not normal. And like I said, I I'm pretty sure I could rationalize in my head that statistically there was no, nothing was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, still, I just was uncontrollable and I would like pretend to be sick a lot, go to the school nurse, try to get sent home early if I was, if I was too anxious. And it's really bizarre because those, that type of insecurity and anxiousness and panic is not something that I would say I have at all in me anymore.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because what I've known you for 18 years, 19 years, something like that. Wow. I think so. What do you (laughs) mean? Like 98 Maybe Were you at the pre-college, North Carolina pre-college program?
1: No, I wasn't. But I think we I did we did meet somewhere in the early 2000s. The first, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but, like, you seem like a very laid-back guy. But then also, I know, like, on the surface, I feel like, I I think, at least, I think other people would say, like, you seem pretty laid-back. And I think that's by and large true. But there's some times where, like, I am a neurotic mess about things. Mm-hmm. But you just, like, play that close to the vest. Do you have, like, any of that that, like, has trickled down? I don't
1: think so. And I don't want to sound high and mighty or anything, but I, I, I do feel like stress management and like prioritizing my and compartmentalizing my emotions is something that I um, have gotten a good handle on. Although in the opposite direction, I would say I've had relationships where it's become problematic that I, I don't Get more emotionally invested in right, things, right. <clears throat> uh, so it could have swung too far in the opposite direction. Because I, I, cried so much that year, and I have hardly cried since. Maybe like four or five times in the last twenty years. Really? Yeah. Fuck. I think I <laughs> cried twice yesterday. <laughs> I think that's the more normal
0: thing. Uh, I think there's like maybe there's. I mean, I think there's been times where like it was cathartic because I was crying a lot, and there's a reason for it. And that that has slowed down. Like, there was mm-hmm. a time where, like, yeah, there's like, you know, once an hour, maybe. <laughs> um, but that was just, like, I feel like spinning and underwater about a bunch of things. But four times in 20 years.
1: Yeah, and, and when it happens, it feels great. Yeah. Because I want to I do it more. Um, but, like, the only times that I, I, I've cried is in, in 1999. Sure. Uh, it was prom night, and my older brother let me borrow his brand-new car to take my girlfriend to the prom and I got in a huge accident Oh no! on the way to prom. Not you didn't even make like it after, to prom? No. Oh, and uh, I ruined everybody's prom and my girlfriend could have been seriously hurt and the car was totaled and I kept it together t- dealing with the guy and the cops and everything. And then when I had to like call my parents and tell my brother, to cry. then in two- that doesn't, that doesn't feel like a healing cry. <laughs> no, that that was like, a, <laughs> I'm was freaking a, the fuck out. Yeah. It was a very like shameful cry. Yeah um and also helpless I felt very helpless and um yeah i don't like i don't like ruining people's fun well that's
0: also interesting well i'd be interested to see what the other three times were but like that one was tied into helplessness again Mm -hmm. so is there like still like is that like a um a trigger like when you feel helpless is that like take you back to that that
1: sense of like oh everybody's gonna die and leave me Possibly. I'm trying to think of if there's more recent examples of feeling helpless. Um, I mean, we all kind of feel helpless in, in the... A lot of the time. In the current yeah. uh, political climate. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think so. The first few films I made at film school were about uh, child and abandonment, though. And I didn't quite realize I was doing that until I realized I was doing that.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. What, what were, they, were they, did they feel like autobiographical or just like, no, this
1: is like something don't no, kind they, of working they came, through. They came about organically. The first one uh, is based on the, the story from the Bible of Abraham and Isaac, where mm-hmm. Abraham was supposed to take his son up to the mountain and, and kill him. Mm-hmm. And then at the last minute, God's like, just kidding. Um, oh, you prankster. <laughs> yeah. And, and in, in my class, in like an art history class, the teacher reminded me of that story, and I was like, "That's such a bizarre story." And I made a short from the kid's perspective, where all that happens, and, and like he doesn't hear the voice of God. Uh-huh. He just like sees his dad about to stab him, and then changes mind for whatever reason. And then, and then the movie continues on to the next day at like dinner, and what what the family dynamic was like. Yeah, it's like fuck you, man. <laughs> yeah. So I thought it was just a funny uh, idea, and and then. The second one I did was, like, a the idea I got was to do a, a, a short in Dr. Seuss rhyme mm-hmm. where a kid walks in on his parents having sex, uh, and then they have to explain what sex is in uh-huh. Dr. Seuss rhyme, and I thought that was really funny, but um, this was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, where I went to college, and I didn't think I would get a parent to let their kid be in that movie. Uh-huh. Uh, so I changed it to the parents abandoning him <laughs> uh, Oh, okay. and they had no problem with that. Uh, it's just sex stuff that they have a problem yeah, with. That's fair. So yeah, it was like two in a row where it was about like parents maybe like abandoning or killing <laughs> their kid. And then I was like, Oh, well maybe that's, maybe that's an issue. Well, that's um, kind of
0: interesting. Like I know, I mean, I, I think I talked about this at one point, but, uh, uh, when you're when you're that age, you have, like, such little shit to pull from, mm-hmm. by and large. Yeah. Like, I feel like when I was, like, writing anything, any, like, short story, it would always be about, like, feeling, like, adrift and what's home anymore. You know? It's, <laughs> yeah. like, it was just always, like, the only thing that I could, like, really pull from outside of, like, I guess divorce. But, like, there was nothing, enough life hadn't happened. So, yeah. like, it makes sense that you're pulling from the, like this one feeling, this one thing that, like, felt like it, it shook you to the core.
1: Yeah. But I I just didn't know it. And I was I was I thought I was just coming up with like cool movie ideas and then that stuff would kind of seep in right. to the higher concept of the idea.
0: Were you just so lonely for that's a whole year where you just couldn't you were just koalaing. Yeah. Your parents.
1: Yeah, I think I was very lonely. Um I would go to the library a lot. My my parents would take me to the library and it was near our house so I guess I could be away from them in that uh, instance and I would go through like back issues of variety and make lists of how much money movies made. Really? Yeah. So that's
0: like, do you think like that was also like a a, uh, pivotal year for like getting you into what your vocation has turned to be?
1: Yeah, probably. Um, I mean, I was obviously already into it to even think of doing that Um, but I just spent a lot of time in the end, wasted time because, like, two years later the internet was Mm -hmm. invented. Sure. (laughs) But I had notebooks upon notebooks of every single movie ever made and how much money they made thanks to, like, Endless hours at the library. Hey man,
0: you could still start that site. <laughs> yeah. You could start like a Tumblr page call and it just box
1: office mojo. Yeah,
0: that's not bad. I feel like that might be taken. It's called it like <laughs>
1: Chad Chad Mojo. Chad Mojo. They <laughs> also parents... put
0: dating advice as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: My parents were really sweet. They put out. They were like, we should try to monetize this knowledge you have. So they put an ad in the paper. And it was like, got a question for the movie whiz? Oh, really? Send a question and a dollar or two, and then our address. Again, pre-internet.
0: And would you get anything? Yeah, Got nothing. No, nothing. no questions. The movie was okay. But I'm also <laughs> going to tell you The movie was what in 2004? Won. What was the name of that fucking show? Oh, uh, Ultimate
1: Film Fanatic. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And you, what, you won. So yeah, it came in handy. Yeah, the film. The film was Movie whiz. Uh, they, they called me the movie whiz in the end. The
0: <laughs> <laughs> so there, that's, that's, probably, that's like so sweet. It was probably just like, let's give this kid
1: fucking anything that <laughs> yeah. distracted by. Yeah. Oh, man. And no question. Super nerdy. Yeah. And I, I, I'm surprised I made it through that, that first year in America in seventh grade. Super awkward. Super hermit. Uh, and I did not actually get picked on.
0: Well, that's also interesting
1: that, um, what's also interesting you get picked on, because I
0: think you would get picked on a ton. I know. Um, I would like too. Um, that, like, you're not your first movie, because that was like a kind of sweeter Luke and Brie is like mm. dating. Yeah. It's like a singular night and it's kind of autobiographical, right? Yeah. But your last two, Martin Bonner and uh, Morris America, are very much like, as are a lot of stories, but like a fish uh, like a stranger in a strange land. Yeah. Right. And yeah. like feeling like untethered mm-hmm. and not knowing what to do with that. Yeah. Is you think like that year, like all plays into that or is that just like guess
1: a... Yeah. That year, especially, but also sort of my whole life because, because I grew up in a country that neither of my parents was from, mm-hmm. uh, and both of my parents are from different places. When someone asks, where are you from? I don't really ever know what to say. Like, I grew up in one place. My blood is split between two other places. um, And I traveled my whole life. Uh, So there's no... To me, I feel like I don't have that... The answer to that question. But in a great way. I like that. And so I have found myself interested in stories about people who are in a spot... They, they for circumstances, find them in a spot where they don't have, like, any roots or any base and have right. to, like, figure it out. Uh, and both those movies are definitely that. And then the the soccer one that I wrote is also that. And um, this piano competition thing in, hmm. is in Moscow and then about American there. So uh, all of them, that is definitely something that I'm drawn to.
0: Do you think there will be a period in your life where that will shift like something else will have like, or do you think that just like a theme, like you're always going to be drawn to like somebody who feels like a little bit like, what am I
1: doing here? I don't know. I hope, I hope that other things present themselves to interest me. Um, uh, And yeah, I would hope so. But for now it's, I like those stories a lot and I like international stories. I like making movies about people that have to interact with people different from them Mm -hmm. uh, but not in any kind of uh, message way you know it's not about those movies aren't about like learning to love your fellow man despite your differences they're just presenting the fact that the world is a big place and and, and people have to I don't know uh, interact with other people and see how that goes Um, but I would hope that along the, you know, maybe if I had a family, that, that like, family yeah, stuff takes... Yeah, evolves in some capacity. it uh, itself, like, bleeds into the work somehow. Uh, Do you, um... But I also, I like those stories also because they give me an excuse to travel. You know, I, yeah. made, I made Morris from America in part because I, I have dual citizenship and felt like I wasn't using it enough. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I was like, I want to work in, in Europe and live there for a while again, so... I wrote that movie to take place in Germany yeah that's a
0: good reason to do that yeah. it's a great great way <laughs> I remember like when I first started getting the screenplays uh Andy and I we just like really wanted like we gotta write something that's like Hawaii or like Fiji that was like the thing. <laughs> yeah. Like we never had anything made we only sold one thing but like yeah we just gotta focus on like a tropical climate that's <laughs> yeah. what we gotta do
1: it's the Adam Sandler uh, yeah
0: yeah, Playbook. Just Or was that uh, adult vacation? Grown-ups. No, no, no. Couples retreat. Couples retreat.
1: Yeah, I was yeah. just like,
0: yeah, let's just go to Bora Bora. <laughs> yeah.
1: Done. I feel that. I yeah. mean, you, there's a lazy way to do that and a sophisticated way to do that. I try yep. to aim for the sophisticated way to do that That very thing.
0: Hey, man, give it 20 years and a lot more success. And you're like,
1: yeah, I'm just uh, <laughs>
0: shooting something in uh, Tanzania. No, no, I just <laughs> want to check it out. Yeah. I don't know. There's a bunch why, of fart uh, jokes. Wow. Um, do you... Is there still remnants of, like, um, which is something that like, clearly left, like, an indelible mark? Because there still remnants if, like, you go through, like, a breakup and somebody, like, is, like, I don't, like, if somebody calls off a relationship or if you, like, have a falling out with a friend, does it, like, bring up anxiety
1: in the same way? Or you, like, feel like you've dealt with all this shit entirely? It's not, it's not the same as, um... As the feeling of abandonment. But uh, the, the other two times I cried, mm-hmm. uh, or two, two of the other times I cried were breakups. Um, one that I broke up with the person and, and still cried, and the other where the person broke up with me quite unexpectedly. And so those are pretty standard crying things. Yeah. And then the, the fourth one, just to finish that old thought, for those that are still, like, desperately... What is this day, fourth time you day, cried? Uh, <laughs> was the night that my parents dropped me off. At college, the first night in in the dorms. Oh, wow. I was, like, upset because I I was scared to be without my parents. I, I had a girlfriend back home, and I was sad to leave her, and... Um, and that, like, there was a bunch of orientation stuff that day, and I felt like everybody I met found me totally uninteresting, uh-huh. so I just cried that It night. was just,
0: like, a real potpourri
1: of yeah. shit, but mostly abandonment. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that, so that, those are, 99 and 2000 were those two early ones, and then a, a breakup in 2006, and a breakup in 2013. So. We get it. You're a um, real Coxman, I get it, Chad. No, but I think to answer your question about the girls... There is something else that deeply affected me to this day, and I had a girlfriend from age 16 to age 22, Mm -hmm. my high school sweetheart. All through college, we dated long distance, and then moved together. She She was was an an animator, right? Yeah. Yeah. And moved in together in LA. We were engaged to be married when I was 20. I forgot about this. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Yeah. Didn't end up getting married, obviously. Um, But anyway, six years, we were together, and... At that age, that's like it's almost like dog years. Like six years yeah. is really like twenty. Yeah, that was that was like basically our whole lives distilled in, into those six years, like becoming the people that we ended up becoming. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why we broke up is that we ended up becoming people that weren't quite as compatible as they were when they were sixteen. Um, but she doesn't talk to me at all. We had a bad breakup, and the last thing she said to me was. I never want to see you again unless it's to stab you in the face. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Oof. And Does she, that haunt you? She is stuck by those words. I tried, like, so those first, like, three, four years, mm-hmm. I would maybe once a year reach out and try to, like, have some communication. No, no response. And then since then maybe like every three years or if there's a reason like um she works at pixar now and this is my monitor did a play a screening at mm-hmm. pixar for the employees so i emailed her and i said i was coming no response wasn't there and uh, anyway she, she's married she has kids she's but still holds happy that. but she's she's stuck to she does not talk to me at all and that fucked me up and yeah, it still man. fucks me up because that's six years of my life totally unaccounted for and unaccessible to me and my best friend in that time yeah. and um, so since then every girl that I have any kind of relationship with big or small I, I have this need to try and be friends with them afterwards even if, yeah. they, even if they've crushed my <laughs> heart I still want to be their friend I need them in my life in some capacity or have access to them oftentimes they don't want it uh-huh. and I'm trying to force no, it.
0: No, no, it's cool. I'm still here. <laughs> um, do you feel like that's healthy? Because that's the thing that I am... I'm not friends with everybody I've dated, but I'm friendly yeah. with I think everybody I've dated. And some of them are like decent friends. Yeah. Um, and I think some people are weirded out by that.
1: Some third-party people. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: Some Just people... like, like, why do you need to do that? And I, like, I don't think it's a need. Like if somebody really didn't want to talk to me, I'd be bummed out. Yeah. But it'd be... But, I try to like be amicable and try to be like, oh, okay, like what you're talking about. Like, I spent even if it was three months or three years with you, and like in that period, college season or not, like you're probably my best friend in there in that period. Like, yeah. I spent all the time with you. I was like, that's you were very formative. You're like a, a physical manifest. You're like a person that your journal. Yeah. You're like yeah. a you're like a diary of those three years. Yeah. So like to just say like no, I'm not talking to you anymore feels like ignoring that period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't
1: know. Uh, So, but why do you feel like maybe it's it's a more common phenomenon? I thought it was directly tied to this girl, but do you feel like it's just something that
0: I don't know? Maybe it is. Maybe it's a similar thing. Maybe it's um, I don't. Maybe it's not so much abandonment. Maybe it's just like um, maybe my thing is more just like wanting to be liked.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is like a fairly common thing. Actually, that's what I think that the girls who aren't into it assume that's what it is then mm-hmm. it's just like something to fill my ego and it's like I don't I don't want to be your friend man I, I don't want to like make you feel better about us not like the way we broke up right. or something and, and that's totally fine I understand that
0: um, yeah maybe that is part of it I just want to feel like better about like but I also feel like I don't know I feel like I'm a relatively self-aware person and I think like I'm cognizant of that as an idea but it also just feels like well I li- I do li- I liked you I like yeah. you I you, mean you, unless you did like something egregiously wrong to me like okay it just didn't didn't work out yeah we don't have to be best bros but like I can be friendly yeah but also maybe it is like a little bit of thing like I just want to uh, that's like the only child in me is like but like we're friends right <laughs> yeah I want to be liked because I don't have anybody else mm-hmm. I don't yeah
1: know. I'm sure wanting to be liked is is part of it I would not swat that away as being inaccurate um, but. Yeah, and then I typically feel like if you get dumped, whoever got dumped, the ball is in their court to decide if you're yeah. going to have any kind of friendly relationship. So um, if I was the one that broke up with someone, I really just try to m- make sure that they know
0: that if, you're they,
1: if they wanted to like hang out, I would happily hang out. Yeah. Um, and it's been, there's been, a, I think, a couple instances where... You've done the, the, the dating thing where you hang out maybe three or four times and then the girl is like, Hey, I, I mean, I've had fun hanging out with you, but I feel like maybe we're just better Mm -hmm. off as friends. Is that fine? And I'm like, yeah, that's totally fine. And then I like actually made that, make make them be my friend. (laughs) Is that, did they like, are they weirded out by that? Like, no, 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 bro. No, like for the most part, they, I think they, they seem pleasantly surprised that I actually do want to be their friends. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, maybe it's It's part wanting to be liked and then part uh, that this girl still doesn't talk to me. And I used to have dreams. I don't have them anymore, but it was the one recurring dream I had many, many times where I would bump into her on the street mm-hmm. and, and be awkward and at first. And she'd stab you in the face. <laughs> yeah, it would be awkward at first, but then it would always come around to being nice and pleasant and cordial. And then I would wake up and be uh. so bummed. That uh, she's still in.
0: That's talk to so me. crazy. Your psyche is manifesting this. Like, just make it okay. <laughs> yeah. Let's just like do anything we can to assuage this level of guilt we have.
1: Yeah. Although uh, I would argue, and this is too long and of a story to get into, but I would argue that uh, I uh, like it's a, a very much an overreaction, and that it's not my fault we're not still together.
0: Um, sure. Well, you're also young. You were tiny little young. people, very young. You did. You tried to be like very adult when you were still. Kids.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe I almost got married at 20. What a stupid idea. That yeah, was. man.
0: Imagine <laughs> how different your life would be.
1: It would be... Yeah, I don't know that I would have anything. Uh, all the things that I love about my life uh, would be impossible. I'm sure I would love other things and have a different mm-hmm. kind of satisfying life. But everything that I've loved about my life has been be- because I've been kind of free and independent.
0: Yeah, because you've always kind of been a bit of... Well, since then, like... I don't mean this in a, in a disparaging way, but, like, a little bit like a gypsy. Like, a free, like you've, like, the Airbnb for here for a while, you stay there for a while, and it's just like, well, I'm just, like, working on this next movie. I know I'm going to do... I'm going to be out of town for six months, so, like, fuck it. I'm just going to stay on couches.
1: Well, that's a nice way of putting it. I was homeless, basically, for, for two years. Yeah, I guess so, <laughs> but it didn't feel like... You always seem to, like, have something happening. Yeah, that's... I mean, we can talk about the homeless period. I would... Because I was 100% literally homeless, but it's not... I would never describe it as terrible. Um, it wasn't that... It was, like, the most pleasant homelessness you can have. But I... It was also, like, the right time. Like, it was, like, late 20s, right? No, it was early 30s. It was early 30s? Yeah, it was 30. Mm. But what happened was I quit my job. I had a day job. I quit it to go make This is Martin Bonner. We shot it in the fall of 2011. And then I... And I, and I came back to L.A. when we finished and started looking for a new job. So that was 2012... And I basically spent all of 2012 trying to find another job while we were editing that movie, not getting anything. Mm-hmm. I was on unemployment. And then at the end of 2012, we found out we got into Sundance, which was completely unexpected. And and I was like, that's it. That's the golden ticket. I'm a, I'm, I'm a professional filmmaker now. That's yes, my so whole life's change. Fuck I you. Can't get, fuck I, you. I can't get a fuck day. you. You're cool. <laughs> fuck you. I can't get a day job now. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I went to Sundance in January of 2013 and my life did change but my, my life did not change overnight right. um, like I got an agent I got a manager people took an interest in me but no, there, was, there was nothing that was like oh you want to direct Jurassic right. Park 4 that, does, that doesn't happen <laughs> yeah. in real life but I did know that I wanted to make this movie Morris from America and I was like alright I'm just gonna hit, hit the ground and try to get this movie made and I didn't know how long that was gonna take but I knew that that's what I wanted. In the meantime, I still don't have a day job. I have no income. I'm still on unemployment. But I got to travel around the world that year with Martin Bonner. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'll be in this state for a couple days, this state for a couple days. And then when I'm in L.A., I'll just crash with friends like yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had amazing friends that were all willing to put up with me. And, and, and I think it's because I wasn't like just bumming around getting high and right. playing Nintendo. You had,
0: like, a sense of purpose the entire yeah. time.
1: So it was, like, a driven kind of homeless period. Yeah. And, uh... So it, it just worked. And it, and it lasted much longer than I wanted it to. And it got so old, like... Living out of a suitcase in my car. And and I never stayed in one place longer than, I would say, probably three or four weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's got to be exhausting after it a It was while. exhausting. And, I, and it was very difficult on my dating life because I would meet cool girls like well I'm staying on a couch yeah your place or it's gotta be your place yep. Um no and I actually found I was surprised to find that they didn't care so much they were very mm-hmm. like like my friends I guess maybe they could see that there was some drive behind the circumstances well because I
0: think it's an interesting like dichotomy of like in one degree like you like have this like kind of Palpable life shift thing happening. you are like being like lauded for, celebrated for, and and then
1: the other side is like, well, yeah, but I'm like living out of a duffel bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that was hard for some time people to figure out. They're like, wait, wait, you, you're you just want to you want to know where at Sundance and what's the deal? Why can't mm-hmm. you get more work? What's your, what's your? your Wasn't that also something? interesting? Like like for your
0: perspective, like yeah, I thought things she was going to change, but also for everybody else, like yeah, that's cool, but that's just like one step. You have to yeah. do like six more to get to a place where you're.
1: Yeah, it was a harsh reality. I'm glad. I, I'm actually uh, thinking about... I, I kept a diary during that time of being homeless and doing all that traveling and stuff, and I'm I'm thinking about trying to get it released because it's a much more common experience than you would think. Mm-hmm. Like, all the filmmakers that you see at these festivals are going through similar stuff. Right. Um, and there's so many books about, like, making your first film, but there's not any book that's like, hey, you've gone into Sundance. So you made your guess first what? film, and you're, what? you're still homeless. Uh-huh. Um Unless, like... Unless you're just willing to do anything. Like, I could have done something really stupid or shitty. Um, and I don't even mean, like, horrible bosses or something like yeah. that. That, that like... But I could have done a movie that would have gone straight to DVD. Right. Or, I don't know, something. Uh, but I, I didn't, and I think most people don't. So, it just took longer. And um, But, yeah, the girls that I would date, I, I would like them. They were cool, and they would like me, and they wouldn't care. And they were... Uh, but I just I felt like I wasn't a complete person. Yeah, I had nothing to it was offer hard them. to really
0: dig in when you're like yeah. a, a feather in the wind.
1: Yeah, I felt like I could I wasn't I could take from them, but I couldn't give because I was just too concentrated on on make, making this movie and not being homeless anymore. And so um, that was a lonely that was a lonely period. But it was also hard to feel lonely when you know every week you're reminded that like there's you got friends that are rooting for you mm-hmm. and they're willing to uh let you stay in their place for free or like house it for free yeah also like a like that's like the dichotomy
0: of like anytime you feel like oh fuck what am i doing and then you like get to go to like i don't know fucking south by and be like wow look yeah. at this yeah people care about the things i'm doing i guess this is like fuel for the fire like i can make it through like another four months out of a duffel bag
1: yeah yeah, it was, and and that that's and there's always the like a delusional feeling of like it's gonna happen next month, it's, gonna, mm-hmm. it's right right around the corner, yeah. Um, and eventually it did happen, but it just it it took a while. But yeah, there's a like the thing that made me realize I should be writing this stuff down is I was never as poor as this. I think the unemployment had just run out, and so then I was like really fucked. Um, and I was going to Italy for a film festival, and they fly you, so like. I I could go, and I had a nine-hour layover in the Oslo Airport, which is the most expensive airport in Mm -hmm. the world, Mm -hmm. but I had so much time that I could walk around the entire airport and find the cheapest food, which was a $14 hot dog. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, A $14 (laughs) hot dog? So I bought the $14 hot dog, and I'm loading it up with, like, ketchup and mustard, and my backpack, like, slips off my shoulder onto my arm and knocks the hot dog onto the floor. (laughs) Like ketchup and mustard side down uh, so it like sticks to the floor. Even, you couldn't. So I picked it back up and I had to eat it. I ate the hot dog. <laughs> Did you wipe all the shit off? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I tried to get it as clean as I could and I ate it and then I was like, this is a real low point. <laughs> um, I, just ate, I just ate a floor hot dog. <laughs> and, but then I, I continued on to Italy and like landed and was picked up in a Maserati and taken to a five-star hotel and, and had like five amazing days in Italy showing the movie and then flown back to my harsh... Life in it's LA. Such a weird juxtaposition. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and but like I said, like the other filmmakers there were probably not as dire as that, but in the same boat, kind of. Right. You know? um, so that's when I started writing that stuff down, and um, so the first chapter is is floor hot Dog. <laughs> floor hot Dog, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, and I, I, like I can, there's a part. I remember writing one entry where I was staying here. And, like, I wrote an entry from a coffee shop nearby, uh-huh. and I was like, I'm, uh, I don't remember actually doing this, but I remember re- rereading it. I was like, I'm in a coffee shop. It's my third coffee of the day, but I felt like I had to get out of Steve's house to give him some privacy or something. Because <laughs> I, I did feel, like, a burden on, on, uh, during that time. I, like, I tried to be uh, stay out of people's way. I, would, I remember just, like, it never felt that way to
0: me because, like, I would come home and you'd be just, like, looking through dailies or something. Because I think you stayed here when you were editing Martin Bonner at one point. Too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember coming in and you were watching, like, soccer footage. <laughs> what is this? I not know there's any soccer in this movie.
1: Um, so- soccer in all the movies. All the
0: movies. <laughs> um, you said something a while ago about uh, being, like, kind of more well-adjusted, not having, like, abandonment issues and things like that. And that it's maybe perhaps gone the other way where you have, like, not had the level of passion or investment Mm -hmm. and that that has, like, burned you in the other way? Yeah. Is that, like,
1: a reoccurring... Not passion or investment, but just um, emotional intensity. Right. Uh, And so in relationships, it always starts off that the girls are attracted to my... Calmness, and, they, mm-hmm. and I'm a very calming presence, I'm very even keeled, and it's very attractive at first. But then it always—if the relationship lasts long enough—it always becomes a thing where they like—they're like you never fight about anything, yeah. you never get passionate about anything, and it's both like when they want to when they're angry at me, and I'm like, let's just talk about it and be calm. Right? They don't like that, and then they, yeah, like you don't <laughs> want anybody to be calm when you're angry, and somebody yeah. just calm down. It's like you motherfucker, <laughs> right? Or the opposite where they like. On a, on a birthday, if they like surprise me with something, and I'm like, oh cool, and they're like, that's not yeah, that's not, not enough, enough, man. Um, so yeah, it has it has its drawbacks too. But that's really the way that I am. I'm just kind of yeah, like I don't want to say flatlining because that's more yeah, uh, yeah. disparaging than it is. But um, the like levels that I go through of like peaks and valleys are all kind of. The like,
0: like bumps and craters. Yeah.
1: Do you, uh, are you jealous about something
0: of like people who experience that? Cause like I know, uh, I remember I was writing something at one point and like wrote this thing in about like, being jealous of like watching like uh, a reality show like an american idol and when somebody would get in or make it to the next round they would just lose it and start yeah. crying yeah. it's like i have never felt that level of passion about anything i don't think i think like when my marriage was falling apart i felt like kind of an exposed nerve and then like clearly when people die and shit like yeah. that but like or we're just, you're like so emotionally exhausted but never just like someone says like you did this thing and you're just and it's like Gah. yeah i've never felt like that level of like okay cool that's good
1: yeah i I either and like you could watch there on YouTube there's the video of me uh like winning the Sundance Award for writing, and that was a huge shock. I had no idea, which is a great speech by the way, <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like yeah. I'm like, oh, this is cool, like I was just back there so and um I was very nervous inside and and happy, but um yeah, it's more of like I don't know it, it doesn't well, in matter. that speech
0: just to give context uh, uh, maybe you miss quoting you but I think you went up there and you started to like thank your producers and mm-hmm. then you're like wait a second why am I thanking my producers this is for writing I did this on my own fuck everybody else <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah that's true Got uh-huh. a good laugh yeah um yeah but I was I was just totally totally surprised and but I think if you watch that you would you'd would be like oh he this guy seems pretty yeah. relaxed yeah um but that would like in any I would describe that as one of like the greatest joys of my life yeah in uh, that experience but if you watched it you wouldn't you wouldn't think so I guess
0: and this, maybe this all goes back to you know being perpetually afraid for 365 <laughs> days straight
1: maybe that's why I gotta go to therapy and figure it out yeah I but gotta I, make, make I, more money so
0: you can go to that therapy
1: yeah I need to make more money you're in guilds now they cover that shit uh I am in a guild now but I don't I haven't made enough in the guild to get the health insurance okay yet. Um, well that's the next um, step um, man. yeah baby steps Steve we're getting there mm-hmm. uh I actually think that even before the traumatic seventh grade stuff, I had an even keel personality because I'm a middle child. Right. And my older brother was very bossy, very loud, and my younger brother was very cute and got all the attention. And so just kind of by default, I felt like an observer or mediator mm-hmm. and in a way that has contributed a lot to my personality and i think to my filmmaking yeah that uh like my tendency is to in a a room full of a lot of people just kind of listen listen and observe uh so yeah I, i would say that the uh the calmness has been there even as a kid. My parents would describe me I think as a quiet... A quiet, calm kid. kid. Yeah.
0: Except for that one year where you're such a pain in the ass.
1: Just <laughs> <laughs>
0: Do you have like... Um, do you have any advice for anybody else who... Because we've covered a broad swath. I guess just about like taking some level of trauma and how do you channel that into being more than just a trauma. Like channeling that into you know, the Dr. Seuss the the kid sees yeah. his parents fucking or whatever.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. I like... I, 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 feel, I do feel very blessed and, and would hard be hard-pressed to call anything traumatic because I, I haven't experienced the death of anyone close to me. Um, my parents did get divorced, but I was already out of the house and an adult, mm-hmm. so I felt like it affected me only in the way that it was very difficult to watch them be sad. And, mm-hmm. uh, and my mom basically got dumped, so to watch her be really sad... Um, but but I didn't like shatter my whole existence. Right. it didn't really change it didn't really your day to day, my life. Yeah, so um, yeah, it's been it's been relatively uh, tragedy free my life, uh, and I don't know. My movies have been accused is not the right word described as nice, mm-hmm. uh, and Martin Bonner especially the 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 comment I got the most from people is. I kept expect, kept expecting something terrible to happen, and I was so glad when it didn't. And yeah. um, they appreciated the optimism and the kindness of the characters. Well, I and, think there's
0: like a lot of, in those two in particular, there's like a lot of redemption. Yeah. Right? Or there's a lot of um, falling down, but like kind of coming, um, an understanding of the past and like moving forward, I guess.
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm just more interested in those kinds of movies. And I'm happy to have my movies be called nice. And I think that there's too much. In especially an independent film of c- confusing bleakness with drama,
0: or bleakness with like pr- profundity.
1: Yeah, and you know, Morris from America, at the end of the day, at its heart, is about a good kid trying to do the right thing and a good dad trying to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And people would describe those as probably being inherently undramatic. Mm-hmm. But I was a good kid, and I, I and my parents were good parents, and I feel like there was there was drama in our lives and our
0: yeah. And I don't know. I think. I think uh i mean i guess you can make a argument for anything but i think like just the trying to do the right thing is like that's like the crux of most drama isn't it yeah
1: yeah so I, i'm happy to keep going down that road and uh and trying to fill a gap like there was a moment i used to watch extreme makeover home edition sure. every week and i would cry every week and i don't include that in the times that i cry interesting i don't include because like, that was manipulative like, media uh-huh. like that's like a, a that's a, that's not like an emotional
0: response. So like, what, any like movies or anything that made you cry, but also like that, eh, that's Yeah, not... a little bit, like a,
1: a, a tear or two, you know, sure. welling up. But like, I, I consider crying from real life to be a very different thing. Like I could watch, you can turn on the last 10 minutes of Rudy right now yeah. and I'll cry. And right. It's just because it's a certain combination of image and sound and music that it's a formula that adds up to right. the right thing. Uh so it happens every week on Extreme Makeover Home Edition, and sure. I, I love that show.
0: But does that like fulfill something? Is it like okay, I'm going to watch this to get this like little bit of release? I don't probably, care if it's manipulative. Probably, yeah. yeah.
1: That, um, but I also was like, I know, I know it's so manipulative. But I remember thinking, I, I want to make the good version of this. Like, I want right. to make the earned version of this. Like, I love it. Nothing moves me more than people doing something kind for someone else. Yeah, and. It obviously um, is effective to a lot of people because that's why they watch that show or, or on American Idol or So You Think Can Dance. When they show those parents like crying in the backstage, yeah, that's like the, the stuff that kills me. So m- my movies are kind of an attempt to be the sophisticated version of, of reality oh, television. Yeah. <laughs> hey man, I feel like if you can if you
0: can really do that, that's a long career.
1: Yeah. Um, so. Uh, I, I i guess and i the the answer to your question is i don't know that i uh am calling on any traumas to to get to the in the work it's actually the opposite the opposite <laughs> you're just trying to make something nice yeah make something nice i i like i i just think that uh people are are nice and uh and if you have, if you've ever seen like actual kindness in your in real life it's very like whoa you feel like you you shouldn't be watching it Uh, if you see like a genuine moment of like strangers being kind to one another it's Mm -hmm. like whoa so I don't know why that's not in more media it's it's not the same
0: thing but like I went to uh, um, LAX last weekend you know for the band protesting Mm -hmm. and just sitting at the arrivals gate At the international terminal, it was like the beginning of love, actually. Yeah, because like this, it it would happen like every like fifteen minutes, where somebody would come in and somebody would like jump the barrier, Uh, and there was like one time there was a woman on a hijab, and the guy just like ran through and like embraced her in a hug, and they were both crying, and like everybody's cheering. And he was, like, kissing to the crowd and, like, so grateful and, like, tears streaming down his face. Yeah. And it was, like, everybody was crying. It <laughs> was, like, everybody had these. Everybody had yeah. their signs. Right? Everybody yeah. had, like, whatever, you know, protest signs. And there's one limo guy <laughs> yeah. with just the name written on a sign. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I saw Todd's Yeah, Instagram exactly. Right? But even that
0: guy, like, I looked over at one point. Maybe he just had allergies, but it looked like he was, like, wiping his eyes. So yeah. it was, like, it was, like when do we see this level of there's like vulnerability and gratitude? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like incredibly moving just because it was like just a hundred percent earnest.
1: Right. And I guess there is an argument to be made though, that you can't have that without the actual bleakness yeah. that causes it. You know, there's a cause and effect. And, uh, so yeah, both, both the films also deal with hardship and people struggling so that you can have those moments of kindness mean yeah, something. Yeah,
0: I think when you said just a second ago that you, it's not it wasn't about dealing with trauma necessarily, uh, but both of those movies are coming from a place where the two protagonists feel very alone mm-hmm. and kind of, not abandoned, but they feel like... Alienated. Alienated. Mm-hmm. And then by the end... Less so. Made a friend. Yeah, that's kind. That's (laughs) good. All I want is a friend. Yeah.
1: Just one.
0: Just one friend, man.
1: (laughs) You'll get there. Uh, You've got got a home now. You'll find friends. It's funny that the one time that I did get picked on, and I I said I didn't get picked on because I wasn't targeted as, but like I did one time in lunch. I always sit by myself and I would draw pictures. And one time I got hit in the head with something Mm -hmm. and it landed on on the table in front of me. and It was a little mini carrot and uh, (laughs) so someone threw a mini carrot at me and I turned to look and I you know expecting not to be able to tell who did Mm -hmm. it because like it was a sea of people and no one's going to take ownership but I turned and one guy was just like to get himself <laughs> like, yeah, was like, motherfucker. <laughs> just to make sure I knew it uh-huh. was him I was like wow oh, that was weird I was <laughs> uh, really excited and proud uh-huh. and I, I I'm going to put that in a movie one day as soon as I make my, my high school or middle school opus just a that, guy yeah yeah yeah. Like, yeah, that was no, me no I did it that was me don't fuck with me bro <laughs> I'm proud of that shit but uh, I think maybe I didn't I didn't really have a reaction beyond being like, like looking at him strangely so I uh, it, I guess it wasn't worth it to keep p- picking on me
0: yeah no, that's fair. <laughs> um, well, thanks, man. I hope you don't have too many more floor hot dogs in your future.
1: Me too. Yeah. Uh, things, things are looking up. I've got my own place. Yeah. I'm in the guild. I still don't have any money. Still, yeah, but that'll change. You're, that. you're up for big shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you won awards. You're an awards guy now. And I, uh, yeah, just just having made the movies and, um, you know, to not have... Even when I was homeless, I, I felt like I was doing what I wanted to do and
0: it, wasn't yeah. Cool. it wasn't well, okay. I was yeah I also think that's like a good lesson I know my um, my old writing partner Annie at one point like right after college she called I forget who it was but it was like her favorite playwright mm-hmm. and she called they like called called her and or emailed her or something and the woman was like nice enough to get back to her and when she was calling she was like at some job and she was like what, what do you mean you're a, jo- a job you're like my favorite playwright I was like <laughs> yeah. yeah but like I'm a playwright, unless you're, like, you know, the upper echelon that, like, do really well and are able to turn into, like, a full-fledged career. It's, like, yeah. even, like, you on paper... Right. ...are a mm-hmm. very impressive person, and now you, like, have, like, a real career going, but you're still, like, just going up the
1: steps. Yeah. Yeah. It's a... There's a perception that's, a, that's much different from the from mm-hmm. the reality. Yeah. But I would say... If I had advice for anybody, not that anyone's asking for my advice, but I think that the two qualities that I possess that have uh, been most beneficial in in life, and especially life in the arts, is that I'm patient and optimistic. Those go a long way. Yeah, and they've been they've been necessary. Yeah,
0: well, if this if this dumb podcast of mine is still around in like five years, we should do this again.
1: Yeah. yeah all Can't of your all of your listeners must also be patient and optimistic that oh yeah it's gonna get good at the 45 minute mark yeah yeah <laughs> <Not> until then <laughs> well they can always fast forward you
0: don't have to be that patient yeah. uh, thanks so much man only you only you
1: only you I see evidence
0: I mean, come on, that guy's pretty okay, right? I love that guy. Uh, Chad, thank you so much for coming out and chatting with me. It's always delightful to catch up with old pals. If you want to find out more about Chad, go watch his movies. They're really great. They're lovely. Uh, you can find This is Martin Bonner. I believe it's on Netflix. Uh, and also, Morris from America is is wonderful. It's uh, Go go watch his shit now, because in a few years, he's going to be doing much bigger things. And, uh, and then you can, you know, sound smart at parties. So go check that shit out. Uh, um, thank you so much for talking, Chad. Also, other thank yous. Thank you to Hayden Fongheiser for doing everything behind the scenes. And thank you to Julia Pot and King Flying Club for art and music. But as usual, gang, the biggest thanks goes to you. Thanks for being, uh, you know, just listening and being supportive and being super cool. I love you guys. Have a great week.